morning. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful day. I love the snow. That's that crazy Californian in me. I never get tired of it. And I say, yeah, and Joni looks at me and she shakes her head. <laughs> she's, she's so waiting for spring. She goes, I, I, I have to have some sun. <laughs> oh, this morning we're going to dig into God's word. I hope you bear with me because we're going to do a little bit of work this morning. Uh, it's a topical study. But sometimes we need to dig into God's Word. Amen? And sometimes we need to do a little work that God would just work through that and God would talk to our hearts. And uh, this is one of those times, and I hope you keep up with me. Or I, I with you. Like Paul, I declare to you no wisdom of my own. You know, I have no desire to try and deliver persuasive words. Any cute message, any antidotes to entertain or impress anybody this morning? If anyone could, it would be me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, the truth is I got a second-rate Cal- California education, and it's by God's grace that I stand before you this morning by the power of God and by his spirit that he uh, uses the foolish things of this world to confuse the wise. But the truth is, if anyone could, it would have been Paul. He was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He was high educated in, in both Hebrew and Greek. He studied Greek philosophy. He knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. Being a, a Pharisee, he would have known the first five books of Moses by heart. And to be honest with you, it, it, he had to dumb down and do it God's way. Because it wasn't with his great wisdom and his great learning that he was called to come to the Gentiles. And... That was really hard for Paul because Paul had a real heart and a zeal for his brothers, the Jews. And he really wanted to go to them. And he actually told God, no, no, I, I, I can do it. And God says, no, Paul, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to hear you. And uh, Paul did it his way and about cost him his life. He said, okay, I'll do it your way, Lord. And you just get that thing from him that he had to forget all of his great learning. And he had to keep it simple. And his message that he was told to deliver was the message of the cross. Christ and him crucified. I often thought, what would... What if this was my last message? What, what would I want to speak if this was the last time I got to speak? That I got to stand before you? What would I want my message to be before I stood face to face with Jesus? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1.
starting at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. For we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And what Paul was saying to them is they're not always going to receive this message. To those that are perishing, it's foolish. And he said, but I have to take that chance. When I deliver this message, you are telling people that they are perishing in their sins. When you point people to the cross... God reveals their sin. And I have found that you're going to get one of two reactions. You're going to get some people that say, what must I do? You're right. I have a sin problem. Or you're going to get somebody that's beat red mad. And they think you're a fool. They don't want to receive it. There was a young evangelist. He had the opportunity of a lifetime. Him and his wife had an intimate dinner with Billy Graham. And uh, Billy, at Billy's house, and Billy prepared, Billy's wife prepared an old-fashioned chick, country fried chicken dinner. And uh, a real nervous, you might have heard of him, Greg Laurie, he was a young pastor at this time, did not want to miss the opportunity to ask Billy some, some important questions. And nervous and, and sitting in the living room with, with Billy, asked Billy, he says, Billy, if you could go back as a young pastor, would you change anything in your early years of ministry? And Billy said, oh, yes. If I could take back some of those well-intentioned, well-thought-out, and I thought would bear fruit, and I delivered so well those flowery messages, and I would go back and teach the cross. And he said, Greg, there's power in the cross to save. It changes people. It tugs at people's hearts. He said, when you point people to Christ and him crucified, hearts are changed. You see, from the bottom of my heart this morning, I do want to deliver a 
message with power. With God's power. That lives would be changed this morning and that hearts would be turned to Jesus. Amen? There were two criminals, both convicted, both justly tried. One hung on the right hand of Jesus, the other on the left hand of Jesus. And uh, one of the criminals, I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm going to turn to Luke 23. One of the criminals said, as he, as he hung on the cross, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You've got to understand, both these criminals looked in the eyes of God. They both looked into the eyes of a crucified Christ. And one blasphemed God and rebuked him. Was angry. If you are the Christ, save yourself. And the other one said, oh, do you not even fear God? you not even fear God. He was a testimony to the other criminal. He was testifying to him. He was a witness. Now either one of these criminals had a chance to come down from the cross and follow Jesus. Either one of them got to hear the sermon on the mound. They never got to eat bread and eat fish on, 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 on the hill when Jesus fed the 5,000. They never saw Jesus walk on water. They never saw the signs and wonders, the miracles of Jesus. Yet, one was furious and the other was cut to the heart and said, Lord, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that moment, Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. I thought when I was studying this, I thought, what? Can you imagine the millions? I think that's safe to say, millions of people that this criminal has witnessed to, that have fallen to their knees and given their heart to the Lord because of his witness. How many people in death row, murderers, that thought God couldn't love me. God couldn't love me and read this story and wept like a baby. Yeah, God God receives those too. And even today, people read that story and are cut to the heart because it's so easy to think, well, I know God can love them. I know God can love her. She's lovable, not me. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. The message of the cross 
is the gospel. It cuts through and it reaches to the core of man's sin problem. See, for us to need a Savior, we need to admit that we are sinners. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is what Paul said to the Corinthians. More, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which I also received, which you also received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I declared to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What scriptures? These weren't written yet. The Old Testament. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Speaking to the scribes and Pharisees. And he said, but these are they that testify of me. And he goes on to say, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the great part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me. Paul was saying to them, to the, to the Corinthians church, we're not following fables and made up stories. He said, look around you. All around you, we have witnesses that touched him, felt him, talked to him. When Jesus came to the disciples, he said, don't be afraid. Touch my hands. He broke the bread and they ate. Touch me, guys. And they told Thomas, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas said, no, no. Unless he appears before me and I put my finger in his hands and I put my fist in his side, I will not believe a few days later, Jesus appeared before him and said, Thomas, put your fingers in my hand. Put your fist in my side. And Thomas fell to the ground and said, my Lord, my God. He said, blessed are those. You believe, Thomas, because you have seen. Blessed are those that have not seen, yet believe. We don't follow a fairy tale. We follow a risen Savior. And this is the reason the gospel and why we need to stand boldly and proclaim the gospel. Because there are those around us that we say 
God bless you. Jesus loves you. I'll pray for you. It's so much easier to say God is love. Say, well, I believe in angels too. But it's so much harder to say, and unless Jesus is Lord, and you believe in the, in the Christ that died on the cross for your sins, you will never be saved. Because you can speak of heaven all you want. But unless they believe that, they'll never get there. It's like having somebody bobbing up and down in the water and you shout down at him, God loves you. And I'm telling you this because I myself have done this and I have left situations like this and I have thought, God, thank you. You gave me an opportunity to be a witness. And God spoke to my heart this week. Have you really been a witness? Because they're still perishing in their sins. Because we need to throw a rope in the water and pull them out. They're in the snake's pit and we're shouting down at them, God loves you. God is love. We need to pull them out. We need to tell them the truth. The gospel penetrates to the core of our self-centeredness. For those that exalt themselves, the message is absolutely absurd. They're not always going to accept that message that we give. To those that are perishing, it's foolishness. But you're going to get a reaction. You're going to get one or the other. And you're not always going to get a good reaction. But you and I have to be willing to trust and be not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For by the gospel message, some were snatched from death into life. And God imparts to them by faith eternal life. It is no wonder that that Paul puts such confidence in this message of the cross. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Verse 16, he goes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. The letter to the Romans, you find Apostle Paul's clearest and most detailed explanation of the gospel message. Paul explains with unabashed passion for taking the good news of Christ to the ends of the world. Ends of the world. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The Greek word for salvation used by Paul literally means to deliver. And like I was saying, with, with, when, when Jesus walked on water, Peter cried out from the boat and says, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come out on the water to you. And Jesus said, come. 
And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. I don't know how far he got, but he started looking at the wind and the waves. And he was filled with fear and he began to sink in the water. And uh, he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and delivered Peter from the water, pulled him up. And that's really, that, that word salvation, that's what it means to deliver, to rescue. And that's what the gospel message does to you and me. It delivers. It's a threefold pro- process. We are fo- first justified. That's that moment when we give our heart to the Lord, we are saved. But then we go through a process of sanctification. We are slowly washed clean. Go on with me in verse 17. He goes, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith it is written, The just shall live by faith. See that faith to faith. That's God washing us. See, if God revealed everything that he needed to clean up in my life, I'd run screaming because it'd be overwhelming. But God reveals little by little everything in my life. First, I remember God cleaning up my language. And I, I swore less and less. Until it got to the point where I only swore when I would hurt myself, stub my toe, then these words would fly out of my mouth and I'd just feel so defeated. I said, gosh, aren't you going to change me? And I remember the first time I hit my head and blood was running down my face and I said, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny, but I remember thinking, it was like, you're doing it. You're changing me, Lord. You're... You're creating that. I heard all about this, that new creation that God's going to create in me, but I hadn't seen it. And then God started to take away the anger. And, and I, I remember when I'd had fits of rage and I would have to go to someone and say, I'm sorry, that's, that's not okay. I'm sorry for acting like that. And that's that God taken that way because I used to justify it. It was okay. I have a right to be angry. And God says, no, you don't. You're mine. That's that process of sanctification where God cleanses us and changes us from the inside. God, in the gospel message, the righteousness of God is revealed in us. It's like God putting a mirror in front of us and saying, you got something hanging off your nose. And you may have walked by, I know I'm not the only one, walked by three or four friends and they smile at you and say, how you doing? Finally, it's that really good friend that says, hey, you got something hanging off your nose. (laughs) And you think, oh, bad friends, good friend. (laughs) Sin, the righteousness of God is revealed. My sinful nature is revealed. He goes on to say, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what 
may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. That's why we need to not take it personal. When we share Christ and they blow up at us, it's because you just called them a sinner. And no man likes to be told that they're a sinner. That's why we need to deliver the message with grace. With much trembling, we need to be truthful, but loving. And some will say, I need this Christ. I need forgiveness. I always knew I was a sinner. I thought only I knew. Then he goes on to say, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In Hebrews 10 it says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of of the living God. When God's righteousness is revealed, you know the sin problem has to be dealt with. Paul is saying, man is without excuse. You can't can't walk along the beach, kicking your feet in the sand, and as you're strolling along the beach, you run into a dune buggy and say, wow. Millions and millions and millions of years. Look what evolution has created. It's absurd. But that's what high learning has done. And those that refuse to admit that there is a God would think that in the universe and in the great cosmos that nothing came together, exploded, and you have the sun, moon, And all the planets and planet Earth and everything has just evolved from a simple cell. But what we have learnt, there's no such thing as a simple cell. The more smaller of God's creation, the more complex it is. And that in the simplest cell, you have God's creation more complex than a space shuttle with all its computers and all its engineering. Because in a simple cell, you have reproducing, self-correcting, self-modifying. See, in creation, you have to have everything complete. Head, hands, feet, everything in working order. A heart, it's not evolving. Eyes that work 100% or it doesn't exist. It ceases to live. You have to have male and female reproductive systems. And Paul says, all men is without excuse for, let me read it for you. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by all things that are made. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. And I love it when people tell me, I don't believe in God. Because I say, well, the Bible says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. You're either lying to me, 
or you're a fool. And you don't look like a fool. See, creation calls for a creator. And if there is a God, I am accountable to him. And that's a hard thing for people to swallow. We don't want to be accountable to nobody. We want to be our own. We want to man up and be in charge. Paul says, we are all under sin. How many righteous? There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Verse 6 goes, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, if God loved us while we were helpless, ungodly enemies, how much more will his love for us while we are his children? Amen? Through the death of his son, we have been justified. That is declared righteous and reconciled, meaning our state of alienation from God has been changed. Believers are now no longer enemies of God. We are at peace with God. Paul goes on to say, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord. Listen, gang, there's power in the cross. There's power in the cross to save. It changes people's life. There was a man that came to Jesus by night. Jesus and Nicodemus had a private conversation late one night. We do not know whether it was an, he had an appointment. I don't think so. I think it was a divine appointment. I think Jesus knew he was coming. But I believe Nicodemus was sneaking away at night because he knew, I have to see this man. He wasn't willing to call him Lord or God. But he came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, teacher, we know you come from God For no man could do the signs and wonders that you do unless God be with him. And I want to read it from the gospel. And Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And I'm going to paraphrase it into Fritz language here Jesus said to him what you speak of is flesh 
And what I speak to you is spirit, Nicodemus. I'm speaking the spirit. And then Jesus pointed Nicodemus to the cross. Now, Jesus hadn't died yet. But he says, just as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Look to the cross. Look to that. And they would understood that, that the brass serpent was symbolic. Brass being judgment, God's judgment, being a, a Sanhedrin, he would have understood. And a serpent was always a symbol of sin, that that sin would be judged on the cross. I want you to understand the story, just in case you don't know the story. The children of Israel were in sin. For God had rescued them from, from the land of Egypt, delivered them. And in the wilderness, God fed them from bread from heaven, Gave them water when Moses struck the rock. Water flowed from the rock. Gave them shoes and clothes that didn't wear out. God was their provider. And they were murmuring and complaining about what God God had done for them. And God called a plague on the children of Israel because of their complaining and murmuring and their sin. And the plague was that God sent snakes out into the land. And when the snakes bit the people, they died. So the children of Israel went to Moses and said, Moses, we have sinned against God. Go before God that we may be forgiven, that we may be saved. And Moses went to God and God says, put a brass serpent on a pole. And all the children of Israel have to do is look upon the brass serpent and they will be saved. Just look. And I have at many times made the cross so complex, made it so hard, thinking in my head, well, we are saved by grace through faith, but you've got to do at least this. You've got to do this. You've got to come to church. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. And, and we need to get baptized. We just need to look upon the cross and let God do the work. Yeah, it's good to be baptized. We are called, it's in obedience to be baptized. But it doesn't save us. Yes, we need to be in fellowship. God's word says we need to be in fellowship because it's for our sake. And we need to be a witness. And yes, we need to read our Bible so that we know what Jesus said and that God could talk to us. But it's not what saves us. And I'm just amazed that Jesus, even to Nicodemus, pointed Nicodemus to the cross. Now, Nicodemus didn't understand it at that that moment. But Nicodemus would know because he would be at the foot of of the cross when Jesus was crucified. He would understand because Nicodemus would believe. He would become a disciple of Jesus. And Nicodemus was there to bury the Lord. 
He, he was the one, one of the two that wrapped Jesus in, in the cloth, packed a hundred pounds of aloe and myrrh and would witness the risen Lord. He would understand. It would all make sense. It didn't make sense to him then because Jesus went on to say, for God so loved the world, Nicodemus, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he goes on to say, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed." And I have to remember, I have to be bold and not ashamed of the gospel because when they reject it, it's because Jesus said their deeds are evil. They love darkness. And not everyone's going to receive the message that we proclaim. And it's nothing personal. But when we stand before the Lord, we want to be able to say, like Paul, I've never shunned to share the whole counsel of God. There was an evangelist. His name was Dr. Walter Martin. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before, but he was called to the occults. He wrote many books on the occults, and he just had a zeal, a fire for reaching Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, to those that were caught up in cults. And my point is, he used to wear a big cross around his neck. And he used to get criticized for carrying this cross around his neck. And they would say, Walter, why do you carry this big cross? Why? And he says, I'll tell you why. Because the devil is real. I've seen him. I've heard his voice. And the devil's demons are real. And they hate the cross. They hate it. And he goes, and if you've ever been to many exorcisms that I have where where I've seen children filled with demons and how they cringe and scream at the sight of the cross. He goes, whatever the devil hates, I want with me at all times. Now, I don't put much value in in symbols. I, I believe we need to be careful. I believe we never should bow to a picture, to a statue, to any symbol, not even to a cross. Because the brass serpent in the wilderness had to be crushed to powder and Moses had to scatter it in the desert because they began to worship the serpent on a cross. They were kissing the feet. 
instead of worshiping the God that delivered them. We need to be really careful. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And this is Paul speaking again, starting at verse 7. Paul goes on to say, What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may be that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Man, gang, there's power in Christ crucified. Amen. Amen. And there's power to save to everyone who believes. I want you to hear this. When, when I read this, I thought of Joni. This could be right out of out of Joni's diary. <laughs> it says, Lessons learnt from a sweater. I was in a store shopping for a sweater. The cost needed to be minimal, so I went to the clearance rack. As I flipped through the sweaters, one caught my eye. It was the right color, the right size, and best of all, the price tag was $8. Fritz can afford $8. Without much thought, I made my purchase. At home, I slipped on the sweater. Its texture was like silk. What a beautiful sweater, I thought. I had made my purchase so quickly that I hadn't noticed how smooth and elegant the sweater was. Then I saw the original price tag, $149. I gasped. I had never owned a sweater that expensive. I had come home with what I thought was a cheap buy, but the original price tag was much higher than I could imagine. I had been oblivious to its value. At times I have treated the blood of Christ like a cheap buy. God's grace, though free to me, carried the highest price tag of all, the price of his son. It cuts me to the heart that God sent his only begotten son to die for my sins. Could we dim the lights? See, there's three things God can't do. God can't do almighty powerful God can't do God can't lie Titus 1 says that for God has promised us eternal life which God who cannot lie has promised us before time began in Malachi God says I change not God can't change he can't change his mind he can't say well I I got a bad deal I changed my mind on this salvation thing 
There's a third thing God can't do. God can't make you love him. He will never force his way into your heart. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come, up, come into him and sup with him and he with me. I, I would feel like I cheated you this morning if I didn't give some an opportunity to invite Jesus as Lord and Savior tonight, this morning. Saints, bow your heads. Is there anyone that would like to give their heart to Jesus this morning? He won't force his way into your heart. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Anyone else? Thank you, brother. Anyone else this morning? Raise your hand. Oh, bless you. Bless you, little girl. Anyone else like to invite Jesus as Lord and Savior this morning? God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Oh, what a glorious day. It says the angels in heaven rejoice when one repents and gives their life to the Lord. Let's all pray together. Would you, would you that lifted your hands, would you come forward? Come down to the front with me, please. Jesus said, Paul said, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Bless you, man. We'll wait for you, brother. Is there anyone else that would like to come forward this morning? God's tapping at your heart this morning. God bless you. Brother, you can, ju- you can just sit right there and, and pray with us, okay? You're welcome. Oh, man, what a glorious day. God, you're so faithful. Would you repeat after me? And all you saints, repeat with me, okay? Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for for the gift of salvation. salvation. And this new life in you. you. I confess my sins. sins. And I accept you as Lord. Come into my heart. And daily, change my heart to be like you. I give you my life. Guide me and lead me. I want to be like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. 
What a glorious day, man. Wow, God is so good. You know, Peter wrote this. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Things which angels desire to look into. You know, all heaven is intrigued and in awe of the cross of Christ. All hell trembles and is terrified. The devil hates it. And we need to be aware that the devil's going to do anything in his power to stop God from saving. So when people reject your word, it's not you they reject. It's a risen Savior. Amen? Can I have the band up here? Let's close in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, you are glorious and wonderful. Lord, we just thank you. You're mighty to save. Lord, and your grace is for everlasting to everlasting. Lord, we just thank you for that grace. Lord, that grace that saves. Lord, we thank you for the free gift of your Son. Lord, and we stand amazed. We stand in awe of you. May we never take for granted the blood that was shed for us. The gift of eternal life. Lord, and that relationship now we now have with you. Lord, we are no longer enemies, Lord, but friends. We pray that this precious gift, the blood of your son, Lord Jesus that we would freely share with those around us. Yes. Lord, I pray that you Lord, that you'd give us boldness. Lord, that you would send us out. Lord, that you would equip us for the work of the ministry. Lord, and that we would realize that we are all ministers of the cross. And as we leave here, Lord, send us. Lord, send us. In the power of your spirit, in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Let's all stand.